Father, thank you, God, for this time of worship that we've had, God, and the fact that we can come to you just as we are, and Lord, with all of our burdens, with all of our shame, with all of our guilt, with every single thing that we carry around with us every day, and we can lay it down at your altar of grace, and God, we can just give it to you and say, God, here it is. God, here I am. Lord, uh, I need you, and uh, the good news is, uh, the very good news, the gospel is that you receive us just as we are, that you can't love us any more or any less. And God, through your grace and through your mercy, God, you see us as you see your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much. God, the words thank you don't even, aren't even able to describe uh, the gravity, Lord, of, of those, those words. The fact that Jesus paid our sin, sin uh, penalty, and God, now you're able to see us as you would see him. God, I just praise your name for that. May your name be praised. May your glory shine now as we go into this time of studying your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're in the series Miraculous, and tonight's miracle is a little bit different than what the other ones have been. Uh, they all have the same purpose, and that is to show that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is truly divine in his abilities and his powers and all the stuff that he can do, that he's obviously from God, of God, and is God. And because of that, we see these things. He's just showing us evidence of it in order to increase our faith, in order to increase the faith of those that are around him, the disciples' faith, so they can become closer and closer and grow deeper and deeper in their faith in Jesus Christ and the message that he's preaching. So this is what the miracles are all about. Well, tonight's you know, miracles a little bit different than that. We've seen him like calm seas and heal blind people and make lame people able to walk and cast out demons and do all kinds of cool stuff, even raise the dead, right? Well, tonight we see something that's kind of different. Uh, you guys are going to go, we're going to just read through it to begin with. You guys are going to be like, wow, that's cool, I guess, kind of, sort of. Seems like a waste of God's power, but, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe there's something else here. Maybe there's a layer I don't really see. You probably read this passage before um, as you're reading like, you know, you got Palm Sunday and then you got Jesus going to the cross and we always talk about Holy Week and all the things that Jesus did leading up to the cross and you probably ran across this at some point in time and said, okay, I don't get it, you know, maybe so, I don't know. And we look at Matthew chapter 21, Connie's going to put it up on the screen. We're just going to read through it and then we'll go back and kind of explain some stuff to you. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. Hey, dude gets hungry. A brother gets hungry in the morning time. Jews eat a big breakfast. I don't know why he was hungry. He just was. Jews eat a really big breakfast, especially in first century Jerusalem. They ate a really big breakfast. Okay, that's the way things were. But here, for some reason, Jesus is hungry. Maybe he was fasting. I don't know. He's hungry, okay? Jesus is hungry. And noticed a fig tree beside the road. Oh, good, figs. I can eat figs. I don't have to be hungry. Good. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. Disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither up so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have a faith and, and don't doubt, you can do, any, do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, you may be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Do what? Like, have you ever read that and went like, you know, in our southern vernacular, do what? 
Like, I, it's good. Jesus was mad at a tree because he was hungry. It didn't have any fruit, so he caused it to die. And then he starts talking about mountains and faith. And, you know, I thought that was the mustard seed thing. And if you have the faith the size of mustard seed, you can tell a mountain go from here to there. And what is going on in this passage? Anybody want to give it a crack? I'll give you the microphone if you want to come up here. And somebody want to give it a shot? <laughs> yeah. Look, I had to study it too. I'm not saying I'm any better than you guys, but I just happened to have studied this passage because I knew we was going to be preaching this. So, uh, But if you want to give it a shot, let me know. We can let you. Tim, you give it a shot. You look like, okay, all right, just checking. All right, so let me see if I can give it a shot here. So Jesus has just come into Jerusalem. You remember the whole Palm Sunday thing where they're throwing down the palm branches and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, like, yeah, you know, just praising Jesus and this is like his big celebration as he's coming in and like everybody's recognizing him as the Messiah and this is good and everybody's praising his name, you know, right like a week later they're going to put him on a cross and kill him and strip the flesh off his bones but like right now they're really celebrating the fact that he's the Messiah, he's like the son of God and everybody's fired up about it, right? Well, that's just happened, okay? And Jesus is in this place called Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem. It's a couple of miles, um, I think it's west of Jerusalem, as a matter of fact. It's, it's right over the Mount of Olives. It's on the other side. But anyway, so he's there. He's hanging out. Martha, Mary, this guy named uh, Lazarus, you may have heard of him. He was dead. He came back. You know, we talked about that. He, he, that guy. So he's hanging out in their house. He's having a good time. The Passover's coming. Everybody's ready to go to Jerusalem, celebrate the Passover. There's tons of people everywhere. People are sleeping outside the city in tents, and they're just the city's jam-packed. And then Jesus rides in on a donkey, and like everybody's fired up about him being the Son of God, right? So it's good, right? Everything's good. I mean, it looks like it's a good day. Well, then Jesus goes in the next day, and he goes, This temple, this house of God, it's a den of thieves. And once again, you remember how Jesus started his ministry? He turning over the, the tables and, and throwing all the, the money changers out and saying, you're just stealing from these people. You're really not doing anything of God. You're just stealing from people. And, and he does the same thing at the end of his ministry right here, right before he goes to the cross. He turns over the tables again. He's all mad because these guys are taking people's money supposedly they're doing, they're, they're doing these rituals and exchanging the money so they can, they can buy the sacrifices for the temple and all this kind of garbage. But anyway, so he gets mad because they're taking people's money and he turns over the tables. As a matter of fact, he does this two different times. He goes into the, the temple and he's just mad. Well, what happens here is on his way to and from, he runs into this fig tree. I think it's Luke's gospel that records him running in his fig tree two different occasions. In Matthew's gospel, we see it here. Matthew's like, I don't really care how many times we ran into the fig tree. The important part is when he cursed it and when he told it to die, and it did. What is the big deal about a fig tree? What, what's the big deal about it? Well, here's the deal with a fig tree. Fig trees don't produce leaves till after they produce the fruit. So, fig tree, if it's got leaves on it, it should have fruit on it. It should be bearing fruit. Is Jesus mad because this fig tree doesn't have fruit on it? Yeah, a little bit. But he's madder about something else. 
He's more fired up about something else. And I believe, if you look at the context of what's going on right now, he's more angry at the way the nation of Israel is treating God. The way the nation of Israel is not truly worshiping God. There's just a lot of pomp and circumstance and a whole lot of activity, but no real heart change, no real difference in people's lives. They aren't glorifying God. They aren't producing fruit. They aren't producing fruit. They got the leaves, but they ain't got the fruit. See, it's, it's like an analogy. You guys know what an analogy is? You're talking about one thing, but you're really talking about something else. And here Jesus is saying, this fig tree is like Israel right now. It's like the Jewish population right now. And probably like a lot of Christians right now who got a lot of activity and a lot of stuff going on, but there's no real fruit from all their activity. Let me tell you something. I've been guilty of this. I've been there, done that. Okay, if you've done youth ministry ever in your life, you've probably been in this situation before. And that is a whole lot of activity without a whole lot of fruit. And let me tell you something. I've been in that situation and I've learned from that situation. See, I used to think the youth ministry was about keeping you busy enough so that you didn't sin. Uh, taking you to play basketball, taking you swimming, taking you roller skating, doing all these, taking you to camp, all this stuff, so that you were so busy and so consumed with all this stuff related to church that you didn't have time to sin. And maybe, just maybe, if I kept you busy here long enough, you'd bring your boyfriend, your girlfriend here, and maybe if you both came, we could talk about the Word of God a little bit, and you could feel guilty for a little bit, and then you won't commit sin when you go back home. And I used to think that that's really what ministry was all about. A whole lot of activity without a whole lot of fruit. What is fruit? What is spiritual fruit? So we're talking about fruit. What is, what is I, I got to thinking about this, and the only scripture that really popped out of my mind, if I could condense it down into one verse of scripture, how would I do that? It's Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that you glorify your Father in heaven. That people see your good works, they see your good deeds, it glorifies your Father who is in heaven. You know what spiritual fruit is? It's doing what Jesus said we're supposed to do, and that is to be the salt and the light of the earth. So people can look at you and see there is a change that happened in that person. Their attitudes are different, their actions are different, what they're doing is completely different because of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning in their life. So it's simple, church, because I have learned my lesson, because I understand more about the things that God has really called us to do. We're going to do a whole lot more of this and a whole lot less of this. You know what I mean? Like we're going to do a whole lot more of the things it says we're supposed to do in the Bible and a whole lot less of the activities that we do just to keep ourselves busy. We're going to do things like make shoes for soul hope. We're going to do things like we're probably going to make backpacks for homeless people when they come in the doors so they have food, they have toothbrushes, they have things to take care of themselves. We're going to continue to do things like Operation Christmas Child. We make shoe boxes for kids on the other side of the world that 
that don't have anything and we just get to show them the love of Christ through that. We're going to do a whole lot of the things that are central to the gospel that help you understand what it really means to be a Christ follower instead of helping you understand what it means to be a Christian in today's world. See, this this is what drives me crazy. This is what drives me crazy. You go, you go to schools in this area, and I don't care if it's Faith Christian School or Oxford High School or Alexandria or Mumford or Sachs or wherever. I don't care where it is. And you got a whole lot of people calling themselves Christians. What does the word Christian mean? It means to be Christ-like. It means to be Christ-like. You see a whole lot of Christians in schools today, but you don't see a whole lot of people that are Christ-like. I don't understand that. If you aren't Christ-like, you're not a Christian. You you can't be one without the other because that's the definition of Christian is to be Christ-like. And I I don't see a whole lot of spiritual fruit. I I don't see a whole lot of fruit in, in, in schools, in workplaces. Man, I don't see a lot of people being the salt and light of the earth that Jesus has called us to be and producing spiritual fruit And I think Jesus was fed up with it at this time with the Jewish population, just like he's fed up with it today in our world and in our culture. A lot of doing the the motions and flailing around and making a big show and acting like we're Christian without a whole lot of spiritual fruit. And that's not, that is not what God has called us to do. If that... If you think youth ministry is supposed to be a whole lot of activity and a whole lot of doing stuff, you got it backwards. See, what I saw in youth ministry a lot, we do 90% activity, 10% fruit. Well, I'm going to do my best to make sure here at Simple Church it's 90% fruit and 10% activity. Is it bad to go to Camp Lee and have a good time and enjoy each other's company and relax and and hang out and sit in rocking chairs and swim in the pool and go down a zip line. That's not bad stuff. It just can't be the core of what we're about. It just can't be everything that we are. People say, man, that's a great church over there. They do a lot of stuff. No. I want people to look at Simple Church and go, that is a great church over there because those people are like Christ. Those people are pursuing the will of God. Those people are trying to do the things that Jesus said they were supposed to do. And I don't care if there's five people here or five million people here. I don't really get wrapped up in how many. I'm just telling you the things that we're going to do, the numbers that I do get keyed up about are the ones where it comes to activity versus doing the things that are core and central to the gospel. 90-10. 90-10. You want to know what numbers I get fired up about? It's the 90-10. 90% activity versus 10% fruit or 90% fruit versus 10% activity. That's the numbers I get fired up about. Jesus saw this fig tree and he saw how it represented Israel, the Jewish population, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was no heart. There was no heart In what they were doing. You ever heard the song going through the motions? Well that's what they were doing. They were going through the motions man. And Jewish people still to this day. They go through a lot of motions. And they they got certain things. All these 
rituals that they go through, and it's just garbage because there's no life change. There's no fruit, man. It's just garbage. I see, I see a whole lot of Christians with a lot of garbage in their life. You can, you can, you can tell, man. You can tell. Just get somebody to pray. Get somebody to pray. Listen to their prayer. You can tell where their heart is. You can tell how much time they spend in prayer, for one thing. But you can tell where their heart is. You know why? Because that prayer life is not in that 90% range. That's in that 10% range. They're not dousing their life in prayer. They're not truly believing. They're not truly having the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about right here. It's just an afterthought. It's not the first thing they think about. It's the last thing they think about. Same thing goes for this. They may check a box by getting up in the morning and reading three verses or five verses or 50 verses or 160 verses or five, 560 verses. If not, and reading it with the right heart, trying to seek God. God, I want you to show yourself to me in this word. I want you to show me who I am in this word. I want you to, to correct me, to instruct me, to encourage me through your word. God, I want you to do that today. And I don't care if I go through two verses or 2,000 verses. I just want you to do that in my life today. You, you can read this all day long like a robot and not ever dig into it, not ever really let it sink into your heart. Jesus right here is saying, you're just, you're just reading from the scrolls, man. You're just pretending. There's no real life change. There's no fruit here. Nothing going on here. You're like a whitewashed tomb. It's empty on the inside. Jesus gets fed up with it. Let's put it back up on the screen, Connie. Because there's something else that he, he, he's showing us here. He's showing his disciples here. He's trying to increase their faith, right? He's trying to get these guys to see. He's trying to open their eyes. Not only the fact that he's the son of God, but they're fixing to have to take the reins. They're fixing to have to do what Jesus is doing. He's only a few days away from going to the cross. These guys have got some things to do after he goes to the cross and after he dies. These guys have got to, got to take up. Take up his message and, and take it to the ends of the earth. So he's, gotta, he's teaching these guys something. This miracle wasn't wasted on a stupid fig tree. It wasn't about the fig tree. Who cares about a tree with no fruit on it that's got leaves on it if it dies? Who cares? Jesus, what's the big deal? He's trying to teach these disciples something. He's trying to teach them something. So the fig tree withered up. Go on to the next page. Disciples were amazed. He's got their attention, right? That's the purpose. He wanted to get their attention. The disciples were amazed. Jesus was telling the disciples, wake up. Take a look. This is what's going on here. It's deeper than what you think. They saw this and asked, how quickly did the fig tree wither up? How quickly did it just die? It just From the roots up, it just died. Just like that, it was gone. Jesus did it to get their attention. 
trying to show them that these men, these disciples of Jesus, you know how he just went into the temple and turned over the tables and called them all a, a bunch of thieves and said this is nothing more than a den of thieves and tried to turn over the religious system of the day. He's trying to tell the disciples, you're fixing to have to go up against the same guys. When I'm gone in a few days, you're the one that's got to take the reins and you're the one that's got to go up against the same powers, the same garbage that's going on, the same political system. You're the one that's got to go now and do it yourselves. And he's trying to show them that they have power too. Just like he has power to turn over the tables and go up against all the religious garbage that's going on, these guys have the same power living inside them. And this is what he says. Jesus has got their attention. He says, take a look at what's going on. He's got their attention. They're amazed and they're going, there's something else here. And Jesus starts talking about faith. And he's talking about the power of faith. This is what he says. And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do, any, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, there's some charlatans out there that will tell you, well, you need to name it and claim it, right? So they'll tell you, what you if you, it says right there, anything that I want, I can have, right? If I just say I want a Mercedes Benz, I can just pray over that and God, he just wants me to have that. Well, that too is garbage. You know why? Because there's no heart in it. There's no heart in it. It's just, it's just superficial. It's just a lot of pomp and circumstance. When you're a person who seeks God, when you're a person who, who pursues God and tries to be Christ-like, then your heart is not for Mercedes-Benz. Your heart is not for a, a, a big, elaborate, illustrious house or church, or whatever, your heart is for the things that this Bible tells us to do, and that is the gospel, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And when you really pray with heart for the things that you really believe that are important in the kingdom of God, you don't really pray for a Mercedes-Benz. You don't really pray for a big house. You don't really pray for a bunch of that junk. What you pray for is you say, God, whatever needs to happen in my life for my light to so shine before men that my deeds glorify my Father who is in heaven, that people can look at me and see that I am the salt and the light of the earth. God, whatever has to happen in my life, that's what I want. That's what I want. Does that mean that we're not supposed to pray that, that, that your grandmother be healed of cancer? Does that mean that you're not supposed to pray that, 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 that the relationships that are broken in your family, that, that they won't be mended? No, that's not what that means. Yes, you're supposed to pray with, for those things. And yes, you're supposed to, to seek God and constantly pursue God with those prayers and those needs. But it also comes with an understanding. Not my will be done, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you're in control in heaven. I want you to be in control here on the earth. 
I want you to, to do the things in my life that are required for me to be Christ-like. God, I want you to, to bring healing into the, 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 the needs of the family members that I have, God, and the, the relationships that are broken and the friends that stab me in the back and it really hurts so bad. God, I want those things. But more than anything is I want to be Christ-like. More than anything, I want to be like your son, Jesus. Because I believe with that kind of faith, if I have that kind of faith, and I don't doubt, then I won't be worried about how it's all going to turn out. I won't be worried about the end result because I already know the end result. I already know that the end result is that Jesus comes back, sets everything right, and his kingdom is set up here on this earth. That's where real peace, real joy, real fulfillment comes from. It's great, man, when you have a prayer answered and you got a loved one that's sick or dying and they're healed. And, and you're like, man, that, that is great. That is wonderful. I love, I love praying over people. It, it tells us in James that the elders of the church are supposed to anoint people with oil and pray over them if they're sick. That's what we're supposed to do. And it is awesome when people are healed. But you know what else is awesome? When somebody comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they're not just saved here on this earth, but they're saved for all of eternity. And we don't have to doubt, and we don't have to live in fear anymore of what's going to happen to us here on this earth, because eternity is wrapped up. That's real joy. That's real peace. And that's not empty joy, and that's not just peace that lasts for a little bit. That is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It don't go away. It don't go away. What are you telling me, Kenny? What, what's, what's the message here? The message is this. Let your light so shine before men that people see your good deeds and that they glorify your Father who is in heaven. That the message is just like the message always is with Jesus. The message is your heart. Not how many activities you have and not how often you're inside the church doors. How much fruit is there in your life? At work, at school, with your friends, at the movies. How much fruit is there in your life? That's the message. Is it in the 90 or is it in the 10? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. God, your, your word is the only thing that has the power to change lives. And God, your word has truly challenged us. God, through an example of a fig tree, Jesus caused a curse to fall on the fig tree as a symbol of his just being fed up with the religious system of that day. God, there was no heart in it. There was, there was no truth in it. It was just a lot of activity. God, we see this in our day. A lot of activity, but very little fruit. And Lord, I know that, that that breaks your heart. God, I pray that we be a people... God, to seek the heart of God, that we pursue Jesus like none other, so that, God, we can be changed and we can be seen as truly Christ-like. We can be seen as truly Christians. Now, we, can only, we know that that can only be done through the work of God. But if we have faith, if we have faith without doubt, God, you tell us that it can be done. You tell us that it can be a reality in our life. We can go up against any powers, anything that stands against us, we can do that because you have told us that we have the ability to. God, we know 
we know that the cancer is, is, is easily defeated by you. God, we know that, 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 that broken relationships are easily mended by you. God, we want to be involved in the miracles that cause life change and in, in, in people around us for your glory to bring people into your kingdom. God, we want to be part of those miracles. We want to, we want to be instruments and vessels in your kingdom so that, God, you can use us to bring people into eternity. And we can only do that if we surrender and we submit and we fully commit to having spiritual fruit. So God, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, if somebody here that doesn't know you, God, we know they can't have spiritual fruit until they have the Spirit living within them. So God, I pray right now, if there's somebody like that, God, you would convict their heart. God, you would break them of their sin. God, you would show them just who they are in front of a holy God. And they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, if that person is here, I pray that they would just come and talk to me. Let me tell them what it means to truly be a Christian. God, whatever you need to do in people's lives, whatever you need to correct or instruct, encourage, God, whatever you need to do through this message, I pray that you be glorified, God, and that we obey. Father, this is your time. It belongs to you. In Jesus' holy, precious name I do pray. Amen. Would you stand? You are the source of life that I can't believe behind no one else will do and I will take hold of you.
now we follow you And I will follow you I will follow you Spirit does surgery on our hearts through your word. And God, sometimes that surgery is painful. God, sometimes it is very difficult to look at ourselves for who we really are Lord, and allow you to change us. God, but I do know, I do know this, that you're a God of mercy. God, you're a God of restoration. God, you're a God who rescues. And Lord, as, as we are broken because of our conviction, uh, maybe we recognize that our life doesn't bear much spiritual fruit and Lord maybe we're just hurt by that and Lord the good news is is just as we sung earlier today God you meet us right where we are and uh, you heal us you bring restoration the purpose of the surgery God is to bring healing so that we can be more like your son so God thank you for that grace and thank you for rescuing us God, we do come full of shame to your altar, God, but when we get up and we walk away, God, we are restored and we are renewed. And we don't look in the rearview mirror. We don't, we don't put our hand to the plow and look in reverse, God. We, we look forward. We look forward to what we're going to do tomorrow to be different, what we're going to do going forward to live for your kingdom. So, God, I pray that people feel encouraged by that. I pray that if there's somebody here that needs to come and pray and just repent or whatever they may need to do, Lord, I just pray that they would be obedient to you. I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace that we don't deserve that you so lavishly pour out on us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 